the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What makes Rose Cleaners the best in dry cleaning? They do my laundry the way I like it. The wonderful customer service. Personal quality. I have some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for, and it's always done. They do good work. I just love Rose Cleaners. Very excellent customer service, and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here. They've got friendly employees when you walk in, and um, they haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years. Rose Cleaners, serving San Antonio for over 20 years. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hi, I'm Eric Galindo, Training Director for the FSI Training School. For individuals and businesses, we offer certification courses in CPR and first aid through the American Heart Association. And also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible, have fun, and win valuable prizes and resources for yourself, your family, your church, or favorite ministry. Here's how it works. Listen to the Bible Live Scripture Reading Program. Weeknights at 8. Not a program about the Bible, the Bible itself. Hear a 15 to 20 minute reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Then on Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the past week's Bible Live readings. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. All right, we are in the house. Thank you for joining us tonight, everyone. This is the Bible Live Quiz Show, and we are ready to take your calls during the next 90 minutes, 340-9585, 340-9585, 340-9585, 340-9585, 340-9585, 340-9585, 340-9585, 340-9585, 340-9585, 340-9585, 340-9585, 340-9585, 340-9585, 340-9585, 340-9585,
340-9585. That's our the Bible Live Quiz Show phone line. Let me see if I can put this over here where I can see it really good. Uh, one thing we've been noticing, and we've just been told this, as most of you know, we've uh, been getting accustomed to a brand new board here in the studios. Um, you know, the board operator, John, here is helping us kind of get up to speed and touch all the right buttons and hit all the right knobs. And there is a question here, as those of you calling in, you're no longer hearing the radio program in the background. As you're, When you put you on hold as you wait to come on the, the program with us, we've, we have now to understand that you're not hearing the radio program uh, so that when you you feel like you've been cut off or, or maybe lost connection, and then when you come online, when you come on the program with us, you're not jumping in knowing exactly what we've been discussing. So uh, we've just learned that from some of our prior callers. So we're going to be working on that. Meanwhile, we want you to know you're not disconnected. You're on the line with us, and uh, stay there. We'll get to you as quickly as we can and take your your comments, your questions, your answers to the questions that we put out on the on the uh, airwaves tonight as well. Jacob is here with us. Merry Christmas, everyone. We did have, of uh, course, our program last week was pre-Christmas, and we uh, were reading from the book of Leviticus. We finished up the book of Leviticus on Monday of this week and then started on Tuesday the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, and we read through chapters 9 of Matthew, which is a great timing for the Christmas time. We're reading about the birth of Messiah, the birth of Jesus of Nazareth, and we're going to be asking you questions from the Gospel of Matthew tonight, uh, along with the other passages. I'm not hearing you, buddy. So where is my friend Jacob on the... uh, No, okay, there we go. All I had to do is hit a button. It was my fault, Jacob. Well, uh, I noticed when you adjusted it, I go off the air. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no way. Uh, Now, what were you saying about something about Christmas? Well, isn't this your Christmas show? This is, I guess, what we'll call our Christmas show. Uh, We're going to talk about Matthew opening chapters. First nine chapters, we'll talk about this this idea of uh, a Jewish Messiah, and we have to realize it's, it comes straight out of Judaism, out of the old Hebrew scriptures. Uh, this entire idea of uh, Jesus of Nazareth and the Messiah, the Redeemer, the atoning Lamb of God, all of these concepts are Hebrew Old Testament concepts. The, the biblical narrative is not like Old Testament, New Testament, totally two different two different books that have nothing to do with each other, they are from the same cloth. These are these are simply the, the, the redemptive plan of God is rolled out. There's only one redemptive plan, one Savior, one Redeemer, but the revelation of the plan of God was progressive, and we heard it over a period of 1,400 years as it was rolled out, as it was clarified, details were added, uh, specifics were added, um, things happened and occurred that brought it closer and closer. Then when Messiah came, of course, there was the, the time it took to kind of recognize that and interpret that by the, by, uh, the, the, the Hebrew Scriptures. And, and it, was, uh, it was Jewish men and women who helped us do that, do that in the first century and even today. That's what we yeah, you're you're welcome to help us you're, out. You're welcome. You betcha. <laughs> we appreciate it greatly. We really do. Well, let me, let me jump in, uh, Jacob. I'll give some questions from Psalms 25 through 27, 
we read those psalms, and we read Psalm 140 and 141. I'll ask some questions from those psalms, and then I'll ask two questions from the final chapters of Leviticus, and then I'll let you bring us on up into the book of Matthew. From Psalm 27 tonight, Psalm 27 begins by saying, The Lord is my light and my salvation. It's a great old song, beautiful, beautiful uh, song. Uh, it begins by saying that the Lord, the Lord is my light and my salvation. He's my fortress. So we should not do what? If the Lord is our light, our salvation, and our fortress, what is it that we should not do? It, something that should not be a part of our life. What is it in Psalm 27? You can give us a call if you'd like, 340-9585, if you can answer that question for us. Psalm 27, again, the same psalm, but uh, verse 10 this time. And, and uh, this is a, a, a psalm I like to, uh, a verse I like to read. Uh, it means a lot to me personally. When the Lord, uh, it says that the Lord will hold us close, even if what two people were to abandon us. Uh, two people in your life, perhaps, and most people, I assume, these would be the two people that you would consider the closest, most trusted, um, most faithful people in, on planet Earth that love you more than anyone else. Well, the Bible says that the Lord will hold us close even if those two people were to abandon you. What two people is it talking about in Psalm 27, verse 10, that they might abandon you? What what two people is it talking about? Now into the book of Leviticus. Let's look at chapter. Oh, this doesn't have a chapter and verse. It says the central theme of the book of Leviticus is holiness. Is that considered uh, true, the same from the from the view of the uh, as uh, from the Jewish view of the scriptures. In Hebrew, it'd be Vayikra, but Leviticus is what we call it. So, uh, we all call it. That. So, but yeah, the central theme. Yeah, the central theme. That's sure. Uh, holiness. It's apart. mentioned yeah. many, many times. Yes. Uh, yeah. You shall be holy you as I, the Lord your God, am holy. You okay. shall be holy. Okay, well, what does the word holy mean? That's your question tonight, folks, if you'd like to call in. What is the meaning of the word holy? It means kadash. <laughs> kadash, okay. You got it. Ding, ding, ding. He won the prize. So, uh, Kadash, holy. What is That is the central theme of the book of Leviticus. What does the word holy mean? mean when we read it in the scriptures uh, give us a call you can answer that question we'd love to hear that as well every one of these questions is uh, full of a lot of significance and meaning and some implications that we can talk about uh, here on the radio as well as we go deeper into the scriptures into the bible now another question from the book of leviticus uh, any animal that was sacrificed to the lord uh, in the animal sacrifices of the Hebrew Scripture, the Old Testament, what had to be true of that animal? What had to be true of any animal that was sacrificed to the Lord? Now, I'm really a little bit over my head here. Maybe Jacob's going to clarify or correct me even, but I, I believe this is a correct statement. What had to be true of any animal that was sacrificed to the Lord? And you find the answer in Leviticus chapter 22, Verses 20 and 21. Can I give a hint? 
Why not? The, the lamb, uh, the <clears throat> the animal, not lamb, I'm sorry. No, you said no animal. Not necessarily. That's no. right, yeah. Uh, it had to be not a sinner. Oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, that's good. It's actually a very good hint, all right? I thought so, too. Uh, chapter 22, verses 20 and 21. Now we'll go into the Gospel of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. We're written primarily in Greek and Aramaic, although... Jacob has told me a number of times that there have been some scholars, there's some records, some mention of versions of the New Testament in Hebrew, which uh, was a new idea, new thought to me. And tonight he brought into the studio a copy of the New Testament in Hebrew, which is very, very, very interesting. Um, I don't know if that bears mentioning from your point of view or not, Matthew, but I mean, Jacob, go for it and let us give us your questions as well. How about your number three? Two of the women in Jesus' genealogy were not Jews, and all five had a questionable aspects of their lives or character. Can you name the five listed or even two? How's that? All right, give them. You're going to get let them mention two, huh? I'm, and I'm going to say they'll find the answer in Matthew one, verse three, and one five, and one six, and one eighteen. Uh-huh. <laughs> there were five women in Jesus' genealogy. Two of them and that were is not, not Jews. And a phone number. Two of them were not Jews, and all five of them had some questionable questionable aspects to their lives. I, I, To me, that is so very interesting. Well, that's because in the Jewish understanding... Uh, any Messiah must have something like David must have something that's say a blemish in their background so that we as human beings don't get the idea that he is just from a perfect line but there is a blemish in his background (laughs) I like that actually very much Um, which is really a hint to the other question from Leviticus that you gave you can give us yeah actually it is you can give us a call 340-9585 that's the call in line if you know the answer to any of these questions you can call in and give us that answer and we'll be glad to hear it and uh, discuss it with you or maybe you have your own question you'd like to ask either to Jacob or to me as well or to our our listeners we can can talk about everything biblical tonight here on the scriptures Uh, what what are the questions you got Jacob? I would really like like to get into your number 11. Oh, okay. John baptized in water, the River Jordan. People who responded to his call to repentance. But he said the Messiah was coming soon and would baptize not with water, but in or with whom and what. Answer in <laughs> 311. Isn't it? The answer where? Uh, it's in Matthew 311. Matthew 311. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, he said that someone is coming soon, the Messiah, and that was, of course, John's uh, primary uh, employment, I think. He was uh, brought on to introduce the Messiah uh, to the world, to Israel, and he said that he would not baptize with water, but he would baptize with whom, uh, a person, and in what or with what uh, a thing so we can we can talk about may we suggest this yes that uh, this is the famous passage that Jesus is going to come up to John and uh, and John says hey I'll baptize you and Jesus says no no we got to do all righteousness now 
Interesting. What, yeah. What would Jesus have meant by that? All righteousness. Yeah, a lot of people wonder that. I think we read it in the New Testament. We think, hmm, why is that? What all righteousness? What could that possibly mean? Uh, let's go. Carrie's on the line. Let's go take that call. Can I give one more question from Matthew? Oh, I wouldn't have it any other let's, way. Let's go. What is the golden rule? I, I'm, I'm thinking there might be someone out there who just needs a kind of an easy question. And it's not the one that everybody knows that who he who has the gold rules. <laughs> no, no, it's not that one. What is we consider the golden? You might even have this taught to you in school. It, actually, some folks may not know that it comes from Matthew, from the Bible, from the New, New Testament, Matthew chapter seven, verse twelve. What is the golden rule? So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven questions well, out that's there. That's a lot of questions. And let's go and talk then immediately then to our friend Carrie, who is listening tonight. Hi, Carrie. Hey, I love you, Sophie. Thank you, brother. I'm glad to hear your voice tonight. What's going on in your part of the world? Well, I'm, I'm watching the moon. I know my bear watching the moon in the clouds. You're watching the what in the clouds? The moon. Oh, a full moon here for Christmas. My grandson, my two-year-old grandson loves that. He always We always say goodnight to the moon when he goes to bed at night, so he, he likes the moon. It's beautiful, isn't it? Yes, it is. We're glad to hear well, from you, pal. Did you want to answer some of our questions tonight, Gary? Or, well, uh, I'm, I'm going to call them on. I'm not even, I haven't been reading the Bible. Uh-huh. It's all right. It is, uh, I'm 58. I'm just trying to go out of memory. <laughs> Good. Well, I bet you know it. I bet you're going to get it. The one about the the animal sacrifice. Okay. What had to be true of any animal that was sacrificed to the Lord? Well, if I remember right, like uh, I think I saw Mary and Joseph, or I think it was that movie on TV. Uh huh. But but I might be wrong. Where the little, uh, I think the little girl had to be without blemish. Without blemish, without spot, is one one version says. In other words, without, it could have no physical defects. Right. There had to be a perfect, uh, like Jacob is. A per, some people call you a perfect specimen, right? Isn't that what you say uh, a lot? Some people do. <laughs> had actually, to be a, actually, a blemish is equivalent to what you and I would call a sinner. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. So the, uh, the actually, idea I is think that in the his eyes were all yes. You know, they trust him anyway. That you know, we are that way. You got it exactly right, Carrie. We've got. We're giving you the bell of g- approval. You have answered very correctly that that question. Do you happen to know uh, what the golden rule is? I bet you do. Hmm. No, I have to be reminded. The golden rule. Remember, we learned back in the first grade uh, some uh, something about do unto others as you would have them do unto you. There you go. I knew you would get it if we just gave you a little bit of a little bit of a hint. That's the that's you've answered two of our questions tonight, Carrie. I appreciate it. That's well, right. Now Jacob has something to say. I think about that first uh, that first one about no blemish and spot. Jacob, did you want to? What idea did you have in mind when you asked that question tonight? Well, just that, that in a physical sense, that an animal that has a blemish is basically considered equivalent to a sin. That's really about it. And this was repeated. This wasn't just in Leviticus, but 
threw out the idea was that you, and I often wonder what was what was what was the intended uh, what was intended to be communicated by that. Sometimes I've thought that it meant, well, don't bring don't bring just your crippled or your sick animals. You know, if a guy was going to bring an offering to the Lord, he might be tempted to bring, you know, kind of the bottom of his. The bottom of his herd, you know. And the, if we did that, do we have an example in the Bible actually of a person that has that name that did that? I don't know. Yes, we do. All right. Yeah, and it is. Yes, you guessed it. Cain. Oh yeah, right. Cain and Abel. He brought, but he didn't bring the the yes, worst. It, did, yeah. I thought he just brought yeah, yeah. It vegetables. Says, it says actually, it says I'm doing this from memory, but uh-huh. it's it's pretty close. Pretty good memory. It says. After a period of time, in other words, he didn't bring his first and best. He oh. brought the second best. Or what was left over? Wasn't the first of uh, the crops. Uh, exactly the, uh, so. I see. I see. Well, I did not know that that was part of the understanding of that verse. Well, Carrie, I appreciate you calling in. I really do. Well, can I make a comment? Yeah, please do. We'd love to hear it. I, I love Psalm 72. And I'm well, going to run to that in my Bible right here. What is it you love about it? Well, it's, uh, you know, this moon and the sun shall endure. And I believe that's what it says in the beginning. But uh-huh. in the, kind of like the middle, yeah, life, I'm never married or nothing. But, you know, he still loves me. You know, you knowing I need him. Uh, oh, isn't that beautiful? Yes. Yes. May you, may Uh, let me see. Let me read the passage. He who has no helper. Yeah. Oh, that is really beautiful. Um, Give your love of justice to the king, O God, and righteousness to your to the king's son. Help him judge your people in the right way. Let the poor always be treated fairly. May the mountains yield prosperity for all, and may the hills be fruitful. Help him to defend the poor, to rescue the children of the needy, and to rush, crush their oppressors. May they fear you as long as the sun shines, as long as the moon remains in the sky. Yes, forever. I guess it's talking there. It's a psalm of Solomon, and I guess we could apply it to maybe even the messianic, you know, the king, the Messiah, king of Israel. I'm not sure if that would be considered a messianic psalm or not, but it's a beautiful one, Carrie. I appreciate you sharing it tonight. It really is Thank nice. You. you find that personally encouraging, huh? Yes, I do. <laughs> That's great. I I, I have another psalm tonight that I mentioned that I, I find very personally. I'll give the question out again to people who might uh, be listening. Psalm 2710 says that the Lord will hold us close even if two other people in our lives were to abandon us. Two very important people in most of our lives, at least. It says that even if they were to abandon us, the Lord will hold us close. And so it's a, we're asking you the question, who are those two important people in our lives that even if they were to abandon us, Psalm 27, uh, 10 says well, that the Lord will hold us close. I believe I know that one. Do you know who they are? I believe it's your mother and your father. <laughs> you got it exactly right, Carrie. Thank you. Helping us yes, to bring sir. that that answer to that question, I find that encouraging because I I was an orphan, born out of wedlock to a little Apache Indian girl that 
uh, didn't have uh, was uh, you know didn't have a husband, and she uh, abandoned me at birth, and I was found by a, a fortune teller, which is another question in our our list of questions tonight. Uh, a fortune teller found me on the streets of Albuquerque, New Mexico, took me wow. in and uh, passed me around about sixteen different families before I was five years old or six years old. And then sent me to a home for homeless and delinquent boys. I was not yet delinquent, but I was very homeless. <laughs> and the yes, Lord sir. took me in. The Lord picked me up, and uh, some of God's people took me in and loved me and cared for me and uh, and changed my destiny, my life. You no, know, actually, Soapy, that kind of makes you a little bit like following after Jesus. A little bit. Yeah. Yes. Mary was homeless, and Jesus was homeless. Yeah, I know. I've I've felt that before. I felt like I know what Jesus felt like a little bit. You know. Anyway, Carrie, I appreciate you calling in, brother. Thanks for well, calling. Well, let me say one more thing. Yes. He won't put nothing on your shoulders you can't handle. Thank you, brother. That's right. He w- he won't put anything on our shoulders we can't handle. I agree with that 100%. You yeah, have a good evening, okay? And a happy new year to you. you thank you. Am I going to win a prize? Why don't you give your name and address to uh, John here, okay? Oh, I, did, I have been... Well, that's all right. You give your name and address, and we'll send a prize package to you, Kerry, okay? I love you. Okay, brother. Take care now. Don't hang up. You're going to show me how to put him on hold when you do, right? Does he push that button again? Yes. All right, there's our music. We need to. Take our first break of the evening. First segment gone. We'll be right back. For the past 25 years, Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to drshelton.com or call 590-7878. I want you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist. Pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. Our ministry depends a lot on our computers. And whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to thelaptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. Well, Elizabeth and I went to Express Lube, and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes. When we went to work and we had got our oil done before, it could take us two hours. The service was very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't expect to receive that kind of service. And their name is their game. Express Lube is accurate for the name of their store. And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. 
Join Barry Bess every weekday morning for the KSLR Morning Ministries, including Insight for Living, Leading the Way, Family Life Today, and Grace to You. Weekdays from 6 to 10 on AM 630 KSLR and KSLR.com. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Yes, indeed, it is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. We're still getting used to these new buttons on here we're looking at. And so we, uh, sorry, we lost Carrie. We're going to have to get back. Carrie, if you can give us a call back, John can take down your information and so that we can send you a little bit of a prize package as we begin the new year. I haven't been staying with that recently just because we're making so many transitions in our program format and in our moving, as we move to the, the, um, the podcast onto the internet uh, so that people can hear the uh, hear the readings from the scriptures and also they can preview the questions that we're asking each and every week a lot of that is not taking place at the same the pace we'd like uh, I'm having to deal with the people who are the webmasters for the crew military website with uh, campus crusade for Christ and crew military organization so we're we're a little bit lagging with them and trying to see how quickly they pick up uh, and we get integrated into the website there. So that's the one reason I'm kind of pulling back a little bit temporarily from our prizes and gifts. But Kerry asked, and so I'm going to hopefully he can call us back. And, John, you'll take down the information. We'll send something out to Kerry just so he can have a something for the new year, right? And may I just reiterate for some callers? You can, you can now reiterate something, Jacob. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, if you call in in our previous phone system, they could listen to the advertising, listen to us talk, tell they are we take their call. If somebody calls and you hear silence under this new system till we get it fixed, you'll just be silent. That does not mean that you're disconnected. Just hang on, okay? Okay, everybody? <laughs> Help okay. is on the way. Hang on. Let's go and visit. Uh, if I can, I'm going to try to hit the right button and talk to Harold if I've gotten Harold on the line uh, correctly. Have I done that, Harold? Are you well, I'm here. Are you all there? You, we here. are here. You are there. We are all here together. Thanks for calling. Happy Christmas. And I already got my, mm-hmm, I got my prize already okay. while I was on hold. Wonderful. Uh, I'm, I'm just joking. All right. I, I was going to ask you, Ben, Ben, so that's not a word, but Ben, you were compared to somebody else. I was going to ask you, what did you do with all the gold? <laughs> we know what you did with the Frankincense and Myrrh, but where did the gold go? It's funny you would ask that, actually. Uh, you, must well, be, you must be doing some mind reading because Jacob was in the studio that would tonight. Be mine, M-I-N-E. Gold, mine to mine. Mine, your mind reading, yes. Uh, what Gold, Frankincense, and Myrrh. Why don't you give the background to your comment well, well, the, and let Jacob speak to that, it? Mm-hmm. The only reason I brought it up, honestly, was because... I, uh, you had mentioned that little joke there. Yeah. And then you had another question about the sinner. Yes. Who's the sinner? So I thought I'd, I'd call in and say, I'm not a sinner. You're not the sinner. The sinner, yes. I'm not a sinner. No. And you know what's interesting? I was, you had said 
seven question. And I it was made me go back to that movie in nineteen eighty eight, the seventh sign. And that movie was so disturbing where, you know, I would love to have a Messiah, a savior, someone that I would I would not have to die for. You know? Uh-huh. All throughout that all throughout that movie, will you die for him? Will you die for him? Well, you know, so anyway, that reminded me of that, and I'm just going off of what I hear randomly. That's interesting, though. But, That's all right. It's very, do you know what yeah. he's... I don't know that movie, Harold. I don't know that particular... What what's the movie called? What? Uh, the Seventh Sign. It's with Demi Moore. It's, you know, it's the... Yeah, started, that, de- started Demi Moore. Demi, Demi yeah. Moore, yes, I have. Well, yeah, and here's but, a, a great and, theologian of Hollywood. Yes. Yeah, and here's an interesting thing about Demi Moore. I understand she's a small lady, and Demi is Greek for small or little, and so and her last name is Moore, so it's less is more. Ah, uh, that's funny. That's great. Now, but I, what was the movie, the movie was called? The movie is called uh, what? The, the seventh sign. The seventh. Uh, oh, the seventh sign. And and there was something about. Uh, there was something about gold and silver. No, she would have to give up her life. Oh, I to see. Save the world because there were out of souls that. You know that's one of those things. When I was younger, I was listening to all this, and it just didn't go with my Christianity teaching. Uh-huh. And why did why Jesus already died on the cross for our souls uh-huh. to go to heaven? Why did they portray this lady that she had to die? And it's all throughout, all these people are dying in the Roman, you know, in the Colosseums, dying for the... Jesus. Oh, I, I have a verse I was thinking about. Matthew chapter 2, uh-huh. this is business, verse 19. Now, 19. Yeah, and the reason I said I'm not a sinner is, is, is because something's, something's overlooked. It, it says, but when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. Now, yes. why didn't the angel of the Lord go to verse 16 and warn, I've looked this up, about 2,000 families. Where well, all those babies were slaughtered by Herod because of the story just before that. Now, here's a man that's born, a baby that's born, and the first act is 2,000 babies dying. And then throughout the New Testament, all these people are dying because of this one person, and he's supposed to be the Savior. Why is it, I'm not saying it, it's, maybe it's written that way, it's not supposed to be set up that way. Do, 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 There's a little yeah, bit of... I wish it was. There's a little something strange going on here because you are reading, literally reading Jacob's mind tonight. As we got ready for the program tonight, these are exactly are two of the exact issues that he brought up uh, about where's the gold and, you know, talking about the gold, silver, and the gold and frankincense. I said that only because of what you said. And then he's yeah, also, and then he yeah. also said, what about... You know, Jesus, all these people, all these children that died when Jesus was called back. So let me let me get Jacob to speak to those two issues. All right, don't sure. don't go away. Sure. Hang sure. on with us and uh, let him. Uh, okay, you want me to hang on? I mean, just hang on there. Right? Okay. Can anybody hear me out there? There we can all hear you. I can. All right, good. Uh, you know, Harold, I don't know the answer. All I know is I do know what you're referring to—that Jesus is born. 
Bethlehem. Uh, and then I know that the dream is only told of Joseph. And he leaves. He goes to Egypt. And then Herod, you know, he's a maniac, a monster. He goes and kills all these other innocent babies. Uh, that that has always troubled me, and I know I'm not the only person that spotted that, and I understand that you spotted that too. Yeah, let me, can I put it just, I'm going to put the whole story. The, sure. The point is, is that these magi came from the east, ah. and they told uh, Herod, <laughs> whether they wanted, knew it or not, they were kind of, they gave him, they let the uh, cat out of the bag, and they said, we're here because there's a star that announces a new king. And so Herod evidently took those things seriously. And he, uh, his own uh, astrologers, or his own uh, priests, I guess, or advisors, said, yeah, there is this star spoken of, and so on and so on. And so Herod takes it seriously, and he, has, he begins to have the two-year-old babies and below killed. And there is a passage there, it's quoted from, uh, oh, is it, I don't know where it's from, about Rachel weeping in the wilderness. Uh, that's actually uh, from, from the book of Isaiah. But and then Herod has these babies killed. Meanwhile, God has advised uh, Joseph in a dream that uh, there is danger. You know, I apologize. I, I got to correct myself. That was Jeremiah. Okay, Jeremiah thirty-one fifteen. God alerted uh, Joseph in the dream, and he took Mary and Jesus, and they went down into Egypt. Probably, I, I guess I've been told or thought all along that they probably lived on the wealth of the gold and frankincense and myrrh, these precious gifts. Oh, that's that a good point. That's a nice thought. But they they were there a period of time in Egypt, and then they were alerted and told that Herod had died, the ones who had wanted to kill him, and they were told to go and take up residence, not in Bethlehem again, but up into Nazareth of Galilee, which uh, is a whole n- another line of reasoning for that. So, let Jacob, that's kind of the background. But the question is, why didn't God do something to save all those 2,000 children? When you asked me the question before the program, I, I did mention that not only these were just the last of the babies that were killed uh, for the sake of the Messiah. If you th- think through the Hebrew Scriptures, uh if you think through the Hebrew scriptures, Harold, a lot of babies yes. died, beginning with Abel. Abel was the first person who died because he was in the godly lineage, and then he was replaced by Seth. But then all through the Old Testament, we see the uh, sometimes we interpret it as the enemy, as Satan, or others that mm-hmm. strategically trying to cut off the lineage of Messiah, of the Redeemer, of the Savior. And a number of different times, uh, there there are things that happened that endangered the entire lineage. Even the people of Israel going down into Egypt when uh, to be wiped out by the plague, you know, and they were saved by going down into Egypt by, you know, when Joseph was sold into slavery and so on. So there's this continual... There are a lot of people suffered for the sake of bringing out the redemptive plan of God. And, uh, and so Jacob didn't seem to be very impressed with my comment there, but... Uh, have you, do you have an answer to that question, Jacob, or is it just a general well, sort of um, a... may I add just a tad uh, what I would consider completing the story that you were telling about the, okay. whole, the whole thing, the setting. When it says in uh, uh, one eight, I'm sorry, two eighteen, uh, that a voice was heard in Ra- uh, Ramah, and it was Rachel weeping for her children. 
if a person looks up that passage in Jeremiah, you'll see what that's about. That's Rachel's tomb. And remember, she died and was buried by the roadside by who? Who was her husband? Rachel, Rachel, that would be that would be that would be Jacob. Ah, the two wives, Rachel and and that tomb that she's buried in is still in Israel, still recognized, and it's Rachel's tomb. Now that road is the road that passes by Bethlehem, and it was the reason she's weeping, is because that that's where the Jewish captives were led away to Babylon. And they also fled to other places. That's why she's weeping, because she's seeing her children being taken away. Is that road? Is that road. But the messianic Jewish understanding is this. When it comes back, exactly what Harold was referring to in uh, verse uh, 19 and 20. Is yeah, why is it quoted in this context? Because the Messianic understanding, and you know, this is written a long time ago to Jews that were familiar with the understanding, that the Messiah will lead the way back to Israel for the Jews past the tomb of Rachel. And it actually says in Jeremiah, about two sentences later, and then she will laugh for joy. So the Messiah is to lead Israel back to the land of Israel. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. And then... um, you're saying a few verses later in Jeremiah? In Jeremiah, or, yes. Oh, in Jeremiah. Yeah, when you read in Jeremiah, you read the enti- that passage. It refers to how her weeping will be turned to joy uh-huh. because the Messiah's obligation, shall we say, one of the prophecies that's not really understood you know, primarily in the Christian world is this, that the Messiah will lead the Israelites, the Jews, back to the land of Israel, on the same road they were taken away on, and the reason and Jacob had planted her tomb right there, she wept as they were led away, but she was with joy when they were led back, and the Messiah must lead them back on the same road they were taken captive in. Now, that's why what Harold referred to in 1920, it says, get up and go back. So even as a child, we're being told that his messianic visage was being led going up the road back to Israel past the tomb of Rachel and therefore all the Jews would then begin to follow on the road back to Israel, the land of Israel. Interesting. Very, very interesting. There's another passage okay. I'm remembering from the top of my head that that talks uh, about... Let me see that. Is it written there? Yeah, right up there on the top where the... <laughs> what, what, it's called... Uh, it, where, where it says that... It says that Jesus, by coming back from Egypt, uh, was a completion of another prophecy. I mean, and these are, these are New Testament Jewish people now interpreting the events of Jesus' life in light of the the passage of the scriptures they knew so well and one of them mentions that out of Egypt I will call forth my son and I, I know that quote but yeah, I don't, that comes out of the uh, it's another gospel I think but. well it comes out of I believe Hosea and, and they're does, mentioning the fact that Jesus came back that is correct to yes, Israel uh-huh. from yes. out of Egypt and Hosea a prophet is actually rehearsing and repeating the messianic idea that I will call my son out of Egypt. In other words, restating 
the example given by Israel, the nation of Israel, being taken out of Egypt in the Exodus and back to Israel. Wow, this That's that great. passage is full of uh, significance and full of uh, uh, open to a lot of maybe interpretation. I'm not really sure. Yeah, and I'll go so far. Well, I'd like to say one more thing before I hang up, Sophie. Sure, go ahead, Harry. Can I say one thing before I hang up? Sure. Uh, you know, uh, it, you know, things like you said got turned around, and the only thing I would, well, one of the things I would say is, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, we need to live for Jesus. Live instead of having this mindset of dying, you know, always giving up something uh-huh, and uh-huh. sacrificing things. And um, because he's already died once and rose from the dead. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't see why they make movies like this that want to make people feel like they have to, you know, give up their babies, give up their livelihood, give up everything they have. Jesus already done that. And that's all I wanted to say tonight, and I'll listen to the rest of the show. You betcha, pal. Thanks for calling. I appreciate it very much. Always good to hear from you. And, and Soap, if I might point out, in Matthew 2, 22, it says that uh, after he got the dream, uh, he had heard that Achilles was reigning over Judea. Now, that is the son of Herod the Great, they call him, uh-huh. and his Herod... Contrary to popular... Well, he had, he had four sons, I believe. They split up the kingdom, but okay. Well, yeah, but he ended up killing them. <laughs> okay. So, but the point is, is that contrary to popular belief, Herod is not a Jew. He was an Edomite. Uh, in the Greek, they call him Edominian, but he was an Edomite. And this son is the product of Herod the Great, an Edomite. And the wife, the mother, started with M. She's a Samaritan. So, what's fascinating is, and this is in direct violation of the, one of the laws in Judaism, and it's in Deuteronomy, uh-huh. that you cannot have a foreigner be a king over the people of Israel. So he's returning back, and he's actually, by returning, he's returning to it, the land of Israel and confronting this person, how would you pronounce that, Archelaus? Uh, Archelaus. Okay. And uh, that would mean this is a product of an Edomite and a Samaritan. Okay. Now, this gives a highlight to what something we were talking about before the program as well. If you'd like to give us a call and comment on any of this, it's kind of opening up a whole, uh, a whole avenue of thought and consideration about the life of Messiah, uh, about his life and the characteristics of his life that were predicted in the Scripture and so on, and others that we review here in the New Testament, particularly with the help of that Jewish-Hebrew perspective about from the prophets that come to us from the prophets and from the Hebrew Scriptures, uh, is this idea that Jesus comes into a very complex, very complicated, very corrupted world. He is. He comes back now. Even as he's begun his life, it's very messy. Uh, we've already mentioned the fact that uh, five women are in the uh, uh, genealogy and in, in the descendant, the ancestry of Jesus, the Messiah. They've, they're mentioned there in the book of Matthew. And we've asked you the question: Can you name even two of those five women? 
two of the women in the genealogy were not Jewish, and, uh, and all, all five of them had some questionable aspects to their lives and character. And so we've asked you that question. If you can answer it, give us a call, 340-9585. But the point is, is that Jesus didn't come into this world with a, you know, the silver spoon in his mouth. You know, he, he, was, he didn't come out with this... Uh, crystal clear, beautiful uh, heritage and rich and, and everything going his way. The point is, is it was very, very messy. Uh, he he came, in, not only his lineage, but then he comes in the middle of this political upheaval. He's taken out of the country so he wouldn't be murdered, slaughtered with the innocents of these other children that were killed uh, because of, the, some, of the, some power-hungry, uh, maniacal uh, dictator wanted to try to keep him from taking over his throne, and and then and then he comes back and he goes and lives in this extremely poor village of Nazareth, very tiny village, very poor. Uh, even when they hear that he came from there, someone says, "Can any good thing come from Nazareth?" You know, that's the reputation it had. Uh, See, and in the Christian thought, and I, I appreciate this, and I very much support the Christian's understanding and and the Christian view. And I said it last week, but I very much want Christians to be very faithful to the religion, follow their teaching, follow the Bible, and listen to their teachers, and hopefully they're good preachers. But I will tell you this, from a Jewish understanding only, you see, the first thing that must take place, the Messiah must lead the Jews up the same road back to the land of Israel. The second thing that's not really taken in by the Christian frame of reference is in chapter 4. And it's verse 13. That's the first group of people that the Messiah must go to. What it's telling you in the book of Matthew is that he fulfilled the ancient Jewish requirements. Because it says he went to Zephalon and Naphtali. Two of the uh, tribes of Israel. the tribes. Uh-huh. In the Jewish understanding, Messiah leads the people back. And the first two groups of people he must go to to fulfill the Jewish requirement are those two groups of people. Now, had he gone anywhere else, the reason that's there, the reason it's mentioned to us, is to tell the Jewish understanding person that he fulfilled what was required in the Jewish understanding of duties, obligations, signs of the Messiah. This fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah in the land of Zebulun and of Naphtali, two of the tribes of Israel, that was their portion of land given to them, beside the sea, beyond the Jordan River, in Galilee, where so many Gentiles live, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light for those who lived in the land where death casts its shadow, a light has shined. But the important thing is that the Christian reader really doesn't pick up on that that's a messianic requirement for the Messiah. Okay, that's very important to us and very, very helpful. Let's go pick up another caller tonight, and we're so glad to have someone of the female persuasion on the line with us tonight. Phyllis, thank you for calling. <laughs> I, I was afraid you were going to say it was Bruce Jenner. <laughs> no, no, come on. Good to hear from you, Phyllis. Did you have a good Christmas? Yes, working all the way through it. <laughs> oh, are, are you a nurse or something like a service no, no, industry? No, group home caregivers. Oh, good for you. Well, you, yeah. you're doing God's work there. That's that's wonderful. Thank you. Well, I hope you had a good one and in, in a new, good, great new year as we come into a 2016 is already here. Can you believe it? It's amazing. Wow. The time is flying. 
Thanks. But the only answer I can think to that one question about the women in the line in Jesus' lineage yes. was Rahab. Okay. But I can't think of any others. Well, I, I bet we could help you. We know Ray. T- tell us a little bit about Rahab. Rahab was uh, the the prostitute in Jericho, right? The, she was what? not. Yeah, she was not a Jew. One of the two that uh, was not a Jew. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she let down ropes, um, or I, I can't remember the the spies that went to to look at Jericho. Maybe she let them down on rope. Yeah. I don't remember. She, she protected let them. them. Red, red thread. Yes, uh huh. She hid Which them and protected them. She let them down the wall on a rope, and she, her apartment was signaled by a red, uh, a scarlet rope out the window, and sh- she and her family were preserved. And we believe now it's not they're totally clear in the scriptures unless you have that Jewish uh, hindsight or in. in uh, that Jewish insight, but it looks like she married uh, Joshua. Oh wow! I didn't catch Ray, that. Yeah, well, no, we don't. We don't usually catch it, but the, I've always, in my mind, I've always figured she probably married someone, some leadership at some level of leadership. But I had not known that it, in Jewish thought, is it is believed in, there's a great tradition that she married actually Joshua himself. Yeah, Sobe is correct about that. that so very, very interesting. Uh, so it, that's, you've got Rahab, that's one, but there's another that is non-Jewish that I know you know who it is. Of course she does. And there's she has a very famous... She, there's name. a whole book of the Old Testament written uh, with her, bears her name. Oh, Ruth. Oh, of course she got it. She's a winner. Oh, of course she got it. <laughs> and, and let me tell you the other ones. The other the ones Kinsman, were... Kinsman Redeemer. The, yeah. ki- the Kinsman yeah, Redeemer good. concept from the book of Ruth. She, her, her, um, her mother-in-law, um, Ruth, uh, Ruth and, um, oh, my Lance. You Who have a, long, a Lance? No, the mother-in-law of my Lance. <laughs> what was her mother-in-law's name? Uh, 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 Ruth and Ruth and uh, uh, if you hadn't said it, I could tell. Well, Orphia was the sister, sister I believe, uh-huh. and uh, uh, Naomi. Naomi. Oh, that's good. Okay. But yeah. here, hey, Phyllis, this is a fascinating thing. You'll never forget Ruth again because she was four generations before King David. Four, exactly four. Well, yeah, but listen to this. I haven't told you the bonus point. Are you ready for this? Huh? Are you ready? Yeah, yeah. I, I thought I'm ready. Be. I don't know if okay. <laughs> the sister that returned to her people is exactly four generations, and her descendant is Goliath. Wow. Oh. Well, that's a little bit of uh Wow. You see what's happening? We're seeing this story that Goliath was born from the Oprah who from the turned. lineage of Orpheus. Yes. How about that? And so exactly those generations, one sister, not neither one started as Jewish, but one joined the people of Israel, and uh, and then the other one did not. So it's not about your genealogy. It's not about your uh, where you came from. A people group, as Sophie likes to say, who you're from. It's about what's in your heart and what you believe. And how you respond to God himself. Yeah, wonderful. In fact, may I say, you know, there's something very fascinating else in the book of Ruth. It says, uh, she, Ruth says to Naomi, now listen to this order of it, your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Why would she list the people first? 
There's a good question for us. Well, you answer. Let me give you the other women. They are Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba. Remember David's uh, uh, wife, and then Mary herself. Mary, the mother of Jesus himself. Are four mm-hmm. women in the genealogy of Jesus? Five women. I'm sorry. Well, we got to take off for the moment. Thank you for calling so much. We got to take a quick break. We'll be back in about. Oh, a minute or two, 340-9585. Don't go away. Anywhere you go, AM 630 KSLR goes with you. That's because we're no longer trapped inside a radio. We're now everywhere you are, and you carry us around in your pocket. On iTunes, on iHeart, on the KSLR app, on ChristianRadio.com, on your iPad, iPhone, and Android. We're always with you because we're inside your pocket. Whatever you do, don't lose us. AM 630 KSLR. A lot of financial services companies say they're unique, but only Thriving Financial blends faith, finances, and generosity. We want to change Christians' relationships with money so they can use it to strengthen their families, their churches, and their communities. If you think this sounds revolutionary, you're right. If you're intrigued by our mission, let's have a new conversation about money. Call 1-800-THRIVENT or visit Thrivent.com. Licensed agent producer of Thriving Financial. Marketing name for Thriving Financial Blueprints. Registered representative of Thriving Investment. Management Incorporated. Thrivent.com slash disclosures. There was something just disconnected for her. I was concerned about him having ADD or ADHD or being impulsive. They did a psychological workup on Brooke, and she had what they called an auditory processing disability. He could not read very well, and we found out he had dyslexia. We just got through pretty much until we found brain balance. That's when she started to thrive. Brain balance is the answer for your kid because it didn't just mask the problems, it actually addressed the issue. The improvements for Jake were absolutely undeniable. Brain balance made that difference for her. This is not my kid anymore. This is this totally different kid. Brain balance didn't just help for Brooklyn and help for our whole family. It's a totally different life. For ADHD, dyslexia, and other processing disorders, Brain Balance works. Call Brain Balance of San Antonio and New Braunfels at 210-620-7378. That's Brain Balance of San Antonio and New Braunfels. 210-620-7378. A child in Syria is being driven from the only home she's ever known. There's no power, no running water, food is running out, there's no medical care. You can help. Project Hope is there providing medical treatment and care to children who have nothing but the clothes on their back. You can save lives. Thanks to Project Hope, $1 saves one life. And families who have left their homes with nothing get the comfort and care they need. Project Hope is there in places around the world providing life-saving medicine and medical supplies to those most in need. Though there is debate when it comes to refugees, one thing is beyond dispute. Children are suffering, and you have the chance to reach out and make a difference for those in need. Your gift of $50 or any amount right now will provide comfort for children who have very little. Call toll-free 844-454-HOPE with your gift today. That's 844-454-4673 or give online at projecthopeairlift.com. AM 630 KSLR, KSLR.com, and on ChristianRadio.com. Tune in in the iHeartRadio app. Hope in the Night with June Hunt. Weeknight starting at 11 on The Word in South Texas. AM 630 KSLR, San Antonio.
This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All right. How did God know that we would need a Savior? Great song to bring us back to the final segment of tonight's program, the Bible Live Quiz Show. We had some great calls. Carrie, Harold, Phyllis all lining up to answer some of these questions from uh, our readings this past week. Now, you can no longer catch the program here on the radio, the, the Monday through Friday program, reading through the Bible every year. But we do have the readings, so we are reading through the Scriptures on the Internet. So if you go to thebiblelive.com or just biblelive.com, either one will get you to the same place. Frankly, if you go to soapydollar.com, you'll get to the same place. Uh, and there you can find on the web pages there of Crew Military Ministries. We're hoping that men and women in uniform around the world, uh, Army, Navy, Marines, and Air Force, that they will be able to find a place where they can hear the Scriptures wherever they are are very clearly read and reading through the entire Bible every year. So you can go to crew, um, crewmilitary.org uh, uh, and find the find your way to the same site, or you can go to thebiblelive.com, and you'll find the Bible readings there at a podcast. You can follow the same reading schedule that we follow with our, our readings through the that we've been following for 15 years now, reading through the Scriptures. You can find the schedule there and listen to the reading of the day. Monday through Friday, or you can just get develop your own schedule and read through and listen to the entire Bible every year as well. But we are answering questions now from the final chapters of the book of Leviticus and the first nine chapters of the Gospel of Matthew. And a number of the questions have been answered already uh, by our callers tonight. I'll, I'm going to answer a few more of them, and we'll put out a couple more questions for the this final segment. Do we have to send you a gift? Yes, you have to send me a gift. <laughs> Christmas is over. I need some more presents. Uh, Psalm 27 begins by saying that the Lord is our light and our salvation. He is our oh, fortress. Sophie, Sophie. Yes, yes. You still have Phyllis on hold on line one. Do I still have Phyllis on hold? Okay, let me go back and talk to Phyllis. Are you still there, Phyllis? Yep. Well, how about you? You stayed through the break, and I, I'm so glad I didn't hang up. Did you have another comment or another uh, question or something you wanted to talk about? Well, I just tuned in just to hear that one question I just got here. So. About the women in the lineage of yeah. the... Well, it so. really, I'm glad you called about it because it opens up uh, uh, just a whole area of consideration about the life of Messiah and, and who he was and how, you know, how it worked out. It, to me, it's always one of the great miracles of Christmas time is that, you know, the... the the creator of the universe has developed this. He created humanity to call out a people for himself. And he's going to carry out in history, in time and space, he's going to carry out this redemptive plan to atone for man's sin so that we could be uh, restored to a relationship with the God, or rightly related to him. And to me, it's always fascinating that it, it takes place in good old messy human history. With all the messiness and all the difficulties and all the complications and the tyrants and the wicked and the evil and the manipulations and the corruption, in the, right in the middle of all of that, God carries out this plan of redemption. And to me, that's one of the most fascinating aspects of the life of Jesus. And it, that he, It's not some pie in the sky, some you know, knight in shining armor. He's a real man who really lives. He is a good, godly, holy man, but... 
he lives it out in in a real time and space, and particularly a difficult time in history, human history. There were there was a lot of corruption, there was a lot of tyranny, uh, a lot of suffering. It starts out here with children dying because of his birth, and so to me, it's it, it just. It makes the story, uh, to me, actually makes it more plausible you know, Sophie, that it's not I, so ideal. I, I may have just, based on what you just said, come up with an idea that seems to work for me regarding Harold's question. Uh-huh. Uh, we talked about the children that are born. They're certainly innocent. They didn't have an opportunity to believe or disbelieve. They just get killed by a monster, Herod. And it just struck me that... Uh, the evil would always fight against godly things. And so if they had to fight against it, Herod would be fighting against godly things. So it is a story that has taken place even in the book of Daniel, as you said before. They uh, Not only did they kill a lot of Jews, but they castrated Daniel and his three friends so they could not bear children. And they're all from the tribe of Judah. Yeah. You continually try You see this effort. Throughout the Hebrew Scriptures, this constant effort to cut off this lineage, to cut off this people, to destroy this. Now, I don't know that the people involved knew what that signified. I don't know if the Persians or the Babylonians necessarily knew. Well, the Magi, Magi, actually, but the Magi. They may have known. Well, they... Because the question is, if a star appeared in the sky, how did they know what a star meant? Exactly. If one appeared over us right now, we'd have no idea what it meant, except, hey, there's a neat star. Well, you were asking John and me that question during the break. You know, yes, How would you know? And maybe we can talk about that a little bit. But uh, to me, Phyllis, that, that's really one of the most beautiful things about the incarnation and the birth of, of Messiah and Jesus the Savior. That idea is that it wasn't some beautiful little... Thing I sure I know about the I know about the the sheep and, and born in a manger and the the wise men that came and and the angels that sang and those are I lo- I love that but also there is a there is a backdrop to that and it was it was a a lot of suffering going on it was a terrible period of human history and th- Jesus was just getting started his whole life was confronting. Those powers and that corrupted, the, the corrupted uh, priesthood of the 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 Roman dominated. You know, they dominated his country and, and corrupted many of the systems, and so on. So it's it really is part of a whole story. This redemptive plan, and it and it makes all the more sense to me. I think to, personally, it doesn't detract from the story at all. It's messiness. It it actually makes mm-hmm. it more plausible to me. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you'd have a thought about that or not, but... <laughs> well, and, and I've went to church all my life, but uh-huh. I was 15 years old before I learned that his lineage through Joseph was also, I mean, his lineage was on both sides. Yes. And I don't know how I missed that for so many decades. <laughs> yes, on both sides he had, there was an important, he had to make, he had to come from a very specialized Lineage of men and women for, on both sides, his mother's side, and they both had to be descendants of David. But one mm-hmm. of those had been cut off uh, and declared that uh, a person of this lineage, I forget, was one of the final kings of uh, Israel Con- before Conia. it was. Conia. Uh, uh, Coniah. Yeah, we call it Coniah. Okay. Yeah. It was told that his lineage would never sit on the throne. And so, in some way, Jesus, in a sense, had to had to escape that, and of course it did, I think, the explanation is that he escaped that by being 
uh, of the uh, the lineage also of Mary. Uh, so I, I don't know. Maybe Joe, Jacob could talk more about it. But know, Mary, uh, it's clear in Luke where her lineage appears, her genealogy, that she came through a not Solomon, but through the brother. So she could not have been on her own the Messiah's mother. She was from the tribe of Judah. She was an ultimate descendant from David, uh, David but it was through the other son. And okay. you'll find it in the book of Kings that the prophecy was that the Messiah will come through Solomon and not the other. But Mary comes through the other. So, And in Jewish law, uh, you get your Jewish status from your mother, but you get your tribe from your father. Oh, yeah. So Joseph, <laughs> Joseph would have given the the tribe status to Mary, exactly. but Mary would have given him his Jewish status of the tribe of Judah. Yes, there you go. I, I I couldn't. I was trying to remember those details, but that's it is a beautiful thing to study, and uh, to think about and ponder because it, it it makes sense. And like I said, in the messiness of this world, even God carried out His redemptive plan. Phyllis, thank you so much for calling. I appreciate you being a part of the program tonight. Thank you. You betcha. God bless you. Have a great year, 2016, as we move into a brand new year, calendar year. Jacob, let's answer a little bit of some of these questions you've been bringing up. Um, I don't know if you want to talk to the question about um, about the children. You, you kind of mentioned that. Mm-hmm. You were talking to John and me, and Phyllis mentions it. You, I guess we mentioned it in that conversation. If you're just looking up at a star at night, there's lots right. of stars sure. out there tonight. How do you know what any one of them means? And so maybe you could help clarify that for sure. us. Well, in Jewish understanding, um, Jesus was not the first person born under that particular star. Now, I know a lot of scientists and other people try to explain some kind of convergence between Mars and Venus, and they produces a cross-looking thing, in the, a star perhaps, in the sky. <clears throat> Pardon me. However, uh, it's understanding Abraham. Moses was born under the same star. And for anybody who would like to see that, so you know I'm not just making things up, we all know the movie, Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston. If you go back and watch the first five minutes of that movie, there's a great scene there where uh, the soldiers are telling uh, Pharaoh, hey, uh, there's a, supposed to be, there's rumors of a redeemer being born. And... Uh, and Pharaoh says, well, that doesn't bother me. I don't believe it. And the priest says to Pharaoh, well, the Jews do. And then he points to the sky. He actually does this in the movie. It's a very short clip, but people don't catch it because they're not familiar with it. But the priest points to the sky and says to Pharaoh, there's a star in the heavens that proclaim his birth. That's how the Jews knew. Now, the question is, how did the Jews know all this? How would you know what a star means if it just appears? Somebody had to be teaching somebody. Do we agree with that? Uh, we have to agree with that. I mean, there was there was an understanding of the stars. I mean, we see it throughout the Old Testament. Right. Throughout the, later on, we see that sure. they, they, they call out this uh, priest from... Or this mad guy, or this false priest, they yeah. consider him. They call him over from Babylon, from Persia, uh-huh. and he's supposed to put a curse on Israel. Uh, you know, kind of read the stars and put a curse on them. But he can't. He finds himself incapable of doing it. His his donkey ends up talking to him, right. and that uh, what's his name? Balaam. Balaam. And, and so Balaam. we hear about that. It's all about that star, uh, and he actually speaks about that star. 
evidently predicting in some ways the star that shined over Bethlehem. I'm not sure if that's well. The, you notice, goes along with you your, notice that Herod, yeah, sure. No, but Herod talks about it's it's a Herod from Herod's point of view, the birth of a Messiah, a Jewish Messiah, is evil from his point of view. And why do I say that? Because those folks can look this up for themselves besides the movie where it's actually incorporated in the first five minutes of the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston, the best Ten Commandments movie made. I mean, if it's in a movie, yeah, I mean, of if, course. if Hollywood says it's kind of Where right, do yeah. they get that from? They had all these Jewish scholars, and obviously they were putting it in there. Right. I yeah. only reference that because people can verify that independently. I know. You're not a Hollywoodite. Well, oh, I don't know about all that. But <laughs> okay. I do know this. I'm about to shock everybody. Is everybody ready? I'm ready to be shocked. Uh, Anytime the, you begin the, to speak, I get myself ready. In the book of Exodus, it actually says that Moses was born under that star. So, who would, if you knew that story, and you knew it's evil from Herod's point of view, it would be evil from Pharaoh's point of view, it says it actually the name of the star. I know this is going to be a little too much for tonight, but it actually gives the name of the star. And what's really fascinating is is that it, it's evil from Herod's point of view. It's evil from Pharaoh's point of view. And this is in the book of right. Exodus, you said? Yes, sir, it is. And I'm going to go further. Well, I've got my Bible here. I'm not I afraid know. to look it up. I know. Well, it's all right. You go ahead and do that while I entertain everybody. Okay, you do that. Uh, and so here's, uh, <laughs> here's the other thing. Now, we know this so-called Magi, Magi, yeah, not really, but Magi. Is that Mr. Magoo? No. no, no. It could be. Sure. If that, if that helps, sure. <laughs> Um, the, but the point is, they know what this star in the sky means. Well, these guys are, first of all, not Jewish, and they're from the area of Persia or Babylon, that area. Is there anybody we can think of, if we put our heads together, anybody we can think of that might have been taken to Babylon that knew the Bible? Mm. Uh, dun, a fellow named dun, Dan. Dun, there was a dun, guy named dun, Dan. Dun, 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 Daniel Boone. Dan, Ding. Dan, yeah, someone. All right. Well, it's, I'm sorry. You lost. It was Daniel. It was Daniel. Yes. Now, and you notice everybody calls Daniel by his proper Hebrew name, Daniel. Not Bel, Belshazzar, uh-huh, I think. But, well, like but we refer to his three friends as their slave names. But yeah, why do we do that? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah. But that's not their names. But no. the real Hebrew names is given. But the point is, they would be able to teach because they knew about it. And if you look closely in the book of Daniel, Daniel rose. Are you ready for this? He rose to be chief of the Magi. Yeah, yes. He taught them the Bible. And they weren't even Jews. And so they understood about this Redeemer, this Savior, so something of the redemptive is, plan of God for so humanity. If I taught you that, look, here it is. This is what's happened with Abraham and with Moses. Mm-hmm. And if I taught you that, and I'd say, it's going to happen again. Watch the stars. And you'll see the heavens proclaiming his birth. And so if you believe that, and you were watching, and you saw it, you'd say, hey, that's how they. That's how they had a meaning to the star appearing. Otherwise, it's just a star without a meaning. I tell you what, this guy Daniel, and not to break us off from our topic tonight, oh, the, no, the Gospel of us. Matthew and everything, but boy, that Daniel was an amazing individual. Yeah. He, he really, uh, he knew things. What an astounding individual who. 
who experienced things and lived things out and, and, and actually described the coming empires, the, the rising and falling of, the, of several empires in the future, of, and bring it all the way up to the time of Messiah, to the time of redemption, and to even, well, even to the end times in the book may, of Daniel chapter 12. He talks about this may, time when, yes. when men travel all over the earth and when there's this explosion of knowledge. I was just talking to one of my sons about that this weekend, and we were traveling in the car together, and how the, this explosion of knowledge we're seeing in the world today. All of that was to some degree, part of what Daniel uh-huh. foresaw. Yes, except I'm going to give you another hurdle. He didn't actually just foresee it. It wasn't just prophecy. He understood what the Torah was saying. Yeah, I believe He that. understood the Bible. And I will tell you that there's several other things in there that really hasn't made the modern interpretation. But he understood it. He could read it and know what it meant. So, we also have a call. Oh, let's go to Esther. Esther is calling in, and we want to pick up her call as quickly as we can. Hi, Esther. How are you this evening? Uh, oh, I have to hit the button, don't I? There you go. Okay. Esther, I'm glad you're with us tonight. Thank you for calling. Well, thank you. Uh, I just wanted to add in two cents in defense of the creator of the universe. Good for you. I heard. <laughs> Not that he needs defending. No, that's all right. Himself. But uh, the, the subject was mentioned that uh, people, and I've heard that before, they're tired. Why all the blood? Why all, why all the death of these babies and everything like that? Yes. You know, okay, aside from the greater meanings of the Jews being led back and Moses being born under the star, which is awesome to know, the, the thing about it is whenever babies are killed like that, it's because Yahweh, or God's law, is done away with, and we're operating according to man's cruel laws. And man always, when he disregards the laws of the king of the universe, does these atrocious things. So, Wickedness, yeah. You know, yeah, so it's not like uh, uh, God is evil and, and letting this stuff happen. What he's doing is he's allowing man to do what he does best, which is atrocious deeds, even to the innocent. And then he comes along, and all of the blood that shed is the blood of mankind. Satan is the author and instigator of that. And then the king of the universe comes along, and the only blood that shed is his own for your salvation. Mm, So when I see these things that happen that are so seemingly terrible, how can God do this? It's for you to understand how evil man can be and to run away from the laws of man and to the laws of of Yahweh. Esther, beautifully put, beautifully (laughs) expressed. I appreciate you calling in about it. I think she gave a nice answer, too. Good, exactly. Uh, uh, You guys are doing a good job. Thank you, Esther. Good to hear from you. Have a great new year as we come into 2016. I, I was kind of alluding to that, Jacob, when I talked about the messiness the God stepped, the, the Messiah came into, and God operated, even the Old Testament as well. He operated and he carried out his redemptive plan, whether it was Moses' time or Daniel's time or anyone. He carried out that plan in a time of great corruption and wickedness and evil all around. And God still, uh, even the idea of Pharaoh, you know, he uses this godless uh, uh, 
worshiper of many, many gods and, you know, that sort of thing. And he he works in that system, and he he still manages to carry out the plan of redemption and call out the people of Israel out of Egypt. Uh, he, without even, without offending or without breaking the free will of individuals, he still manages to, that's the astounding thing, it seems to me, about the sovereignty of God, is that he's able to accomplish his will without, without, in fact, impinging upon that, that free will that he's given to individuals. He even can use sometimes man's own wickedness uh, for his purposes. Uh, and I know you, you've got another point of perspective no, okay. of that, but I'd like to... No, well, I I don't think free will allows you to go beyond what was created. In other words, I can't do something as my free will indicates beyond what was created. That that doesn't make sense to me. I so. know it doesn't. That's why I paused. I wanted yeah. you to say what? What? Well, thank you so much. <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> it's because of this. If we look at the act of creation, you will see that. Animals were made before man. Mm-hmm. Then this animal was put; had the spirit of God put in him, Adam, Eve. If they were, all, you know, one par- party. Uh-huh. And so you have your choice to make your free will decision: Do I choose to be an animal, or do I choose to be a spiritual being, a human being? You have your choice. That's the limits. That's the parameter. That's the fence of your free will: to choose to be an animal, or to choose to be a a spiritual being. And if you'd like a physical example of that, we can again return to the book of Daniel. What happens to Nebuchadnezzar? After all his evil, Yes, he becomes like a beast of the field. You've got the answer of what it's telling you. Yes. Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm so grateful that you brought that up. Because I was pondering this. Uh, I saw as, you sitting there pondering. Uh, no, no, the, earlier this week. Oh. Uh, sometimes I ponder when you're not around. I just ponder. Just. Oh, well. I thought it might be on top of your head. It's still your influence. But anyway, uh, I'm pondering this, and I'm thinking <clears throat> this whole idea of the incarnation, that, that uh, sometimes people really have a problem that... Uh, I remember one time you and I were talking. You know, i got to tell you something funny. Not to interrupt, but John just wrote a note and showed it to me because I'm wearing a baseball cap tonight that came from the original Ponderosa Ranch. That's right. You said you're, you're pondering, and he said, Ponderosa. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm pondering on the See the effect you have on us all? Even John is getting into the act here. You, you just bring out the best in us. Well, now, 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 I was thinking about this. You, you've always talked about the idea that man could can by by disobeying god ignoring god and rejecting uh the rightful place of god in his life man can lower himself and become become less than man he can actually reduce to become animal like vicious and and deadly and and so on i mean we we talk about that all the time a man can make a a donkey of himself you know we use the old old testament word for donkey but you know a man can become animal-like. Are you afraid of that word? Uh, no, not really, but I'm just trying to be, you know. Uh, so, here, uh, uh, the idea is that I know that there is some problem with the idea. Some people have a problem with Jesus as the Messiah, the Incarnation, because a man cannot uh, you know, be God. A man cannot be, become God, but the Bible never talks about a man being God. It talks about God becoming a man. 
And I mean, we talked about it one time, and you said, you know, you, that's an interesting thing. That you know, and you kind of said that was an interesting thought, and one of the few interesting thoughts I've ever given to you. And you said, the idea, hmm, can, and and that's the whole idea is that if if for God to become a man, which was at at the core of the whole idea of the incarnation, it wouldn't be like a rock becoming a tree. And in other words, it's not like something becoming something totally different. It's we are created and made in his image as persons with intellect, emotion, and will and given personhood, just as a man can become less. that the rainbow has seven colors? Uh-oh, now he's going to confuse me. Let me get, just as a man can become less than a man by, by the, that God then can, by an act of his will, uh, it, it isn't like, well, I cannot even say it. Maybe I've given enough for someone to think about it a little bit. Maybe you can ponder it that God I would like to stepped down the, and became uh, a man. Uh, all the Christian listeners, Merry Christmas. It's an important Thank holiday you. to the Christians, and I definitely wish them to enjoy it all. You betcha. Merry Christmas, everyone, and have a great 2016. A very great and safe one, by the way. See you next week. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Sophie every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The, the Bible, Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.